Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Nicole Dossie. Nicole is the executive director of NCADA, the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. One of their major goals is to teach young people the skills needed to resist the pressures to use and abuse drugs. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. And this is a huge, important mission. It is. It is a behemoth, for sure. Huge, important mission. And and really difficult for people to talk about sometimes. Do do you find, I mean, this is is kind of that top of mind thing, because it is a tough subject, and you have to talk to your kids about it. But is there also the parents that have that wishful thinking that my kid won't? Because you remember them at three years old when, you know, they're like not thinking, hey, I think I'll try pot. So, you know, it's like, is it is that part of the overcoming? I think that's right. I think there's definitely the contingent of caregivers who say, oh, that will never be my kid. Not my kid. Not right. my kid. I've raised them, quote unquote, better than that. Right. But then equal to that portion of caregivers are the other side of the coin, which says, eh, I did it. It's a rite of passage. It's ah. really no big deal. Oh, they know I'm I here. Survived I, I survived it. I survived it exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, neither extreme is helpful. No. And so we try to bring caregivers more in the middle, so that even if they think that maybe their teen might experiment, that they can figure out how to create those open lines of communication. Right. Um, or for the parents who say, "La la 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 la," you know, "Not my kid. Not my kid." Right. That um, they understand that things are very different now and that um, the pressures are still the same, but maybe they just look a little bit different. Gotcha. Um, And so kind of bringing that to the middle. It seems like every year there's scarier drugs that show up. Yeah. I mean, yes, there are. There there are more potent drugs, um, but drugs in and of themselves are not... Good. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah true. The yes, media and right. social influencing campaigns and things like that will portray this idea that there's, you know, some sort of flesh eating drug that's invading the streets of Missouri. And, you know, nine times out of 10, that's not necessarily the case. Maybe okay. there's, it's been seen in some city across the continent or there's definitely more coming in, but we haven't seen it just yet. Some of that is a little bit scary um, right. and it and it creates it creates a panic for people but right. still and this isn't has not changed for the last several decades the number one drug of choice for young people is alcohol right by and large and then number 2 are cigarettes and nicotine products like right. jewels and vapes exactly the vaping thing is a big thing yeah. now right so of course there are quote you know scary drugs right but there's just kind of the same old drugs that were around when you and I were teenagers. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, alcohol is a huge, big problem. You know, driving. I mean, the, 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 to mm-hmm. me, that is, you know, as soon as your kid gets a license, that is like one of the scariest things. And you have to address all of these, you know, items. You don't want them driving with anybody that's drunk. You don't want them driving drunk. Mm-hmm. Um and you don't want them out of times where there are other people that are around driving drunk. Correct. And you know? driving, you know, at least when I was a teenager, my parents really 
pushed that into me. You know, don't don't drive while you've been drinking. Don't you know, ride with anybody else who's been drinking. Right. But now we know that there's a lot more that we need to be concerned about. And so actually beginning in the fifth grade, um, NCADA, our educators will go in and talk to kids and we'll oh. talk to parents about the other things that we need to be worried about with alcohol. For example, our brain development. Right. Which is not something that my parents knew to talk to me about. You know, they right. didn't know that my brain was still developing and that it was helping me become an adult and like make decisions. And so we start teaching fifth graders about, yes, drinking and driving is terrible, but there's a lot of other things we need to be worried about with alcohol. We define for seventh graders what a blackout is, which is when you've drank so much alcohol that your memory center basically shuts off. It gets paralyzed. And then you can be doing things and you don't remember that. And that can be really scary for a whole host of reasons. Exactly. So some parents um, will think, well, if I take the keys, that'll create, quote, you know, a safe environment. And really, um, there's a lot of other things that parents need to be concerned about beyond just drinking and driving. Exactly. Well, yeah, and and then and then it's helping the kids get the language that goes around it, so that when somebody's pressuring them, they know you know, how to be confident about, "Mm, no, I'm not doing that. Exactly. And I learned just say no. There's a lot of other ways you can say no. You know, you can say, nah, no thanks, or I'm good. And then we also do a lot of modeling with young kids beginning in like fourth and fifth grade, but then all the way up to high school about some other ways that you can get out of those situations. So whether that's, you know, um, blaming your mom, oh man, my mom, you know, she's nagging me that I've got to get back home. Right. Your friends don't have to know that your mom hasn't said anything to you about getting home. Right. You know, or saying, um, making a joke out of it or just saying, you know, nah, man, I got, I got football practice tomorrow. My, my, you know, coach would be really disappointed if I showed up hungover. You know, it's very simple things like that. But empowering teenagers to have the confidence to to be able to say, nah, I'm okay. Thanks anyway. And I mean, as part of the education, just also just uh, the other, I mean, I've heard so many things and I'm like, is this for real? You know, so like the fake marijuana that some kids are smoking thinking, well, it doesn't show up on a drug test, therefore it is safe, but it's actually really yeah, not. it's synthetic. It's fake chemicals, basically. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like just that sort of education of, you know, sometimes doing something just once could mean the difference between your mental health and, you know, you you your mental health going the whole other direction you don't want to see mm-hmm. it go or getting in an accident where you're, you know, possibly lose your life or lose the loss of your legs or you know what right. I mean it's like it's like painting those pictures of this our possibilities so why do you even want to go there that's right and our approach at NCADA and we've been doing this in in schools in classrooms since 1980 we don't take a scare tactic approach right and we don't right. exaggerate but normally we'll go in and say um, and again this is all beginning in middle school and okay because that's really when developmentally it's most appropriate but I, I'll talk in a minute hopefully about um, ways to engage with younger kids about substances Got but you. at the middle school level it's it's everything from 
okay, so we're going to give you some facts and information, and you have a lot of power. And they'll say, no, I don't have a lot of power. Yeah, you do. Because you're here right now. You're listening to me. You're engaging in a discussion with me. And they'll say, no, my mom made me come to school. No, actually, <laughs> you knew that there would be a consequence if you didn't. Right. And you're in the classroom now anyway. Right. So now that we can agree that you have power, we're going to give you information. You can Google check us because they will. And right. they do. Right. And so we're going to give you facts. And then you decide from there how you want to live your life and what you want to put in your body. So I love it because it's empowering them. It's to make the empowering. right de- to make the decisions. Well, this is great. We're going to take a quick break. I'll right. be right back. So we're back with Nicole. And we were talking about, you know, generally speaking, you're, you're working with the fifth graders, but we can go younger. Yes, we can, and we do. So many schools around the St. Louis region, but this is something that is evidence-based all across the country, is to really begin in kindergarten. Um, Some even begin in pre-K. Now, before anyone listening freaks out, we're not talking to kindergartners about heroin. Right. But what we are doing is we're beginning to build what are called resiliency skills because life stinks sometimes, right? Not easy. It's not easy. And when life stinks, some people don't know how to bounce back. And we know that if they don't know how to bounce back, sometimes they might take the pressure off or the or f- cope in other ways that are unhealthy, whether that's so self-harming or bullying right? or addiction. Or, that is interesting. Yeah. So in kindergarten, we actually teach things like how to be a good friend, how to give a compliment how to receive a compliment, because most people don't know how to receive a compliment, how to work on a team, how to control your feelings, and how to talk to somebody you trust. Right. So when we get into that topic about grownups you trust, we'll dive a little bit deeper to say, what does it mean to be a grownup? And there's always that kid, that special kiddo who says, (laughs) you know, well, my sister's 16 and she thinks she's a (laughs) grownup. True. She might think she is, yeah. but what does that mean? And that then we can talk about how many birthdays somebody has had, how their brain is growing on the inside, and then they're also growing on the outside. We can talk about more grown-ups you trust. Right. That can lead into a conversation about medicine. So one thing, so I have a niece that's six years old, and we talk a lot about who are grown-ups you trust. Right. What does it mean to be a grown-up? Right. We also talk about medicine. Who, who, her name's Violet. So I'll say, Violet, who is somebody that you trust that can give you medicine? The doctor, mommy, you know, daddy, Aunt Coley. I'll say, yes, absolutely. When is it helpful to take medicine? When you're sick. Right. Could it ever be harmful to take medicine? Well, yeah, like yeah. maybe if you're not sick. And that's a whole other conversation. My, I've inherited a three-year-old, and we talk a lot about yummy and yucky. What are yummy things to put in your body? Right. What are yucky things? Right. And that leads to a conversation about, you know, what are safe things to put in your body? What are harmful things? Um, so beginning with that really simple conversation for pre-K yeah. creates this lifelong dialogue of communication around substances. That is brilliant because teaching resiliency is 
so huge for so many things. So many things. So many things. Because, you know, because it's, I, you, you see people that like a trauma occurs in their life oh. and then they live the story for the rest of their life. That's right. Or the trauma occurs in your life and you're like, whoa, that, uh, don't want to do that again. You know, I'm, I need to, I need to work. I got to deal with this. I got to work from this. I, I can't be this. Right. Correct. Um, and, but, and I can, and I've often thought, and that's that addiction sometimes that has to do with, not, with not having that resiliency, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, not having that, whatever it is that I can bounce back from, Whatever craziness has occurred in my life, and and I do think you know when we see this now, like like now people are giving language to kids about sexual Absolutely. abuse, which you know that wasn't the case for a long time. So when it was happening for a long time and there wasn't a language around it, kids had no idea is this okay? I just watched a whole series a thing about the Menendez brothers. Oh my goodness, yes, and that. I did not, I had no clue that those boys had been so abused on every level, physically, mentally, sexually, you know, and, and I was, I was stunned by it, but they were talking about how there wasn't a language for that when we, this case was going on. So it's interesting because I used to work in sexual assault education and many of the same Many of the themes are very similar across those two fields. We also, at NCADA, we do a lot of work with Alive and Well, which is all around being trauma-informed and asking people not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you. Yeah, And really helping go a little deeper and develop a sense of empathy. And it's not to say that somebody who's had a traumatic experience like a divorce or a death or um, feeling isolated, it's not to say that they will use substances. However, there's a very strong correlation because when you feel a certain way right. and you don't know how to cope or you don't have mentors or you don't have a solid support system, whatever that looks like. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, mom, dad sitting at a dinner table, white picket fence. It doesn't have to be that. Right. But if you don't have that those coping mechanisms built in, that can lead to more pain. Like I'm going to numb this pain by drinking, eating, doing, you know, that's right. Over shopping, whatever it might be. A lot of people hypothesize that we're in the this opioid epidemic right now because we don't have a painkiller problem. It's that we have a pain problem. Uh, we, yeah, we don't know how to deal with. We pain. don't know how to deal with pain, and, and that's pain physical is, or emotional, right. right? And and pain, unfortunately, is part of life. It is, and it, it sucks. It totally sucks. <laughs> but at the same point, there's like this part of me that if, when I'm feeling it, I have this thought like when I'm in my when I'm outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and I'm really uncomfortable, then I just I'm like, okay, so I'm really uncomfortable. So I'm going to thank the universe. For making me so very uncomfortable, and there's growth in here, and I'm going to figure it out. And I'll, oh, I'll really the of, I, I have know. a little pity party because I think you should get to have a pity party. You just can't live in the pity party. At some point, you got to bring yourself out of it and go. Okay, I cried. I I ate the whole chocolate cake. I did that. All right, now I got to stop. <laughs> and that <laughs> is the definition forward. of resilience. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yes. I love that though. That. I think that's amazing. I think that is just brilliant to start that young with resiliency. It's it's pretty transformative. It, it, and we have the luxury, um, al- although we're not nearly um, as lucky with this as we would like just because of funding and things like that, but we are able to follow some kids from kindergarten 
all the way to 12th grade in certain districts. Wow. So we can begin with building those resiliency skills. They get to know us. They like us. They trust us. And then so by the time we start talking about drug-specific information, then they know we're legit. Yes. Right? Exactly. And they know that we genuinely care about them and where they're coming from and where they want to go because we're on this journey with them. I love it. I love it so much. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay. Thank you. Okay, we're back with Nicole and it is question time. So I want to talk about, one of my questions was about, you know, we talked about what's happening in schools and what you're doing with the kids and what have you, but parents, what do you tell parents? Parents, parenting is the hardest job in the entire universe. Yes, it is. And there is no rule book. Nope. There is no guidebook. And just when you think you have it figured out, they throw you for a loop. <laughs> oh, that was the wrong information we've been giving you for the past 30 years. <laughs> right. So we have one of the best resources I think that we offer at NCADA is a website that's called Talk About It Mo, because it's statewide for Missouri, talkaboutitmo.com. And on that website, parents or caregivers can find one page talking kits per per age group. So for example, let's say you have a first grader. You right. could go, you could click on the pre-K to two talking kit and each talking kit gives you goals and some conversation starters, as well as some tips and tricks. Like, right. for example, with the middle school one. So there's one for pre-K to two, one for third through fifth grade, one for middle school, one for high school, and then one for if you suspect your kid is misusing. Right. Because that's a really different conversation. Sure, sure. But the tips and tricks are helpful with working with different ages. So, for example, the middle school one suggests that you don't have a sit-down conversation like you and I are having right now. Because middle schoolers don't lead with their prefrontal cortex. Got, yeah. They're leading with their amygdala. And, and they're they, pipe shuffling in their chair like yes. oh my gosh when is this over this is so boring and they interpret all of your facial expressions through their amygdala which is fear ah and so every face you make they read as anger you're mad at me correct so I it's must have hey, done how something was your day wrong. at school oh why are you always down my back why, why oh, are you why interesting are you always on me? okay so the talking tips on the middle school one will suggest that you're you have the conversation in the car or while you're doing dishes or while you're playing basketball makes total sense things like that so very age specific tips and tricks as well as goals so you know what you know what you're trying to get out of the conversation and by the way i'm saying conversation these can be 2 minute in passing, I'm giving you your vitamin. Who are other grown-ups you trust to give you your vitamins? There you go. Okay, done. Now you just you just had a conversation about medicine safety. Right. Good for right. you. Right. Or so one of the things I did with my daughter that I was I think was a very good idea was when she got to a certain age, I would let her like we'd be at, at bread company as an example, and you know, and I would say, all right, you know, after we ate and she'd want a cookie or something, I'd give her money and say, go up to the cash register and go get a cookie, right? Absolutely. And then I would ask her, so what did you think of that person? Did you, you know, and to help her determine, because she would start, like there'd be some people she'd kind of shy away from. And I would ask her, so why wouldn't you talk to that mm. man? I don't know. I'm like, did he make you feel uncomfortable, but you didn't know why? Yeah, he did. He made me feel uncomfortable too. That's a good thing to know. Because awesome. I think helping um, kids, because like, you know, perpetrators look nice, seem nice, 
do right. nice things, right. right? And so, so by by starting to honor those underlying things, mm-hmm. it was some. Mm-hmm. something's not right mm-hmm. I think is a great help to these kids and it's empowering they, yeah right and like that's your that's that little voice is very important to listen to going with your gut is huge and we talk a lot about that about um, you know we, we don't call it conscience or morals or anything like that we just say like your your gut what's your tummy telling you right um, another thing that I'll mention about caregivers and, and parents is to think about what they're modeling so for example, yeah. and I'm not perfect, right? So, but for example, if every time we're at a family function and my nieces see me with an alcoholic beverage, right? what is that sending to my eight-year-old niece who's watching? Right. Is it sending the message, even subconsciously, that Coley can only celebrate when she's having alcohol? Or oh, that maybe right. she needs alcohol yeah. to get through these functions. <laughs> right. Right. Can't take the family. You got to drink something. Right. Yeah. No, that makes complete or even sense. even how we joke about things. So, oh, you need to take a Xanax. Yes. Know, or think just like, what are we modeling? And it's not to say we're going to be perfect. It's not to say that adults can't and won't make their own choices. Sure. And sometimes we'll have the, the kids raise their hand and they'll say, well, my dad smokes cigarettes. And, you know, that is his choice. Right. We're here to talk about you. Your choice. And maybe yes. there's a way that we can help you have a conversation with your dad. Awesome. You're not going to steal his cigarettes because that's bad news bears. Right. You're not going to throw a fit, you know, but how could you, without an attitude, have right. a conversation? And. In high school, actually, we teach teens to talk to each other. So let's say that you and I are friends. We're on the same swim team. And I'm concerned because you're partying a lot on the weekends. Right. And you and I are on the same team, man. Right. So I, let's I'm talk. concerned. But just being able to have those conversations and em- kind of embrace the awkward. We say that a lot. Embrace the awkward. I whether it's parents idea, or whether though. that's peers. Just embrace the awkward. It's a great idea. Embrace the awkward. I like that. So is there anything about addiction that people find super surprising that like people go, really? I mean, when you're talking about because people have yeah. preconceived notions of what that means, right? Yeah. So I think that most people understand now that it's a disease. Yes. It's not a character flaw. Right. It's not a lack not of discipline. Not someone just woke up one day and said, I am just going to get addicted to something. I think most people understand that. However, there is still a large contingent of people who who think that it's just because of choices, period. Got yeah. Or that people... Still, in 2019, there's still people who think that it depends on the family you came from. Right. And while that yeah. is, of course, definitely a Right. Definitely the parents' fault or what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got yeah. I will say when, when I do parent meetings, the, the statistic that is most surprising to parents because they think it's, it's family, they think it's all genetics, and of course, everything plays a part. Sure. But the biggest statistic that is tied to addiction is actually use before the age of 15. Oh, okay. That's interesting. If a person uses before 15, it doesn't matter what substance, their odds of becoming addicted to anything go up fourfold. That is really good to know. So as long as you can, the longer that you can put it off, 
we have a program that's called try putting off drinking. We don't say don't ever drink, but the longer that you can put it off, it gives your brain time to develop. It gives you time to figure out who you really are, who you want to be. And then you can decide how you want to drink and the extent that you want to drink. But that use of substances before the age of 15 is usually pretty mind-blowing for for people. Wow. That is really good to know. That is, see, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. My, my work here is done. <laughs> All right. Now I have one more question for you. Okay. And this, I hope, is a fun question. I okay. hope I say it right, but how's Tebow? Mm, you're going to make me cry. Why? Tell me. I saw Tebow on your Facebook. Oh, no. Is Tebow no longer so with Tebow us? So Tebow was my main squeeze, oh. and he still is my main squeeze. He was a blue pity who I- He's so cute. He's the best thing ever. He, I had him since he was six weeks old. He has oh. actually passed away at the end of September. No. I know. He had a He's really- He's in doggy heaven. He better be, man. Well, what happened? Well, he just, he does, he's not that old. No, he was only six and a half. He had a really aggressive form of lymphoma. And um, I love my vet. Shout out to St. Louis Hills Anim- Animal Clinic. He is uh, more of a holistic gotcha. vet. And we could have treated it pretty aggressively with chemo. But I just instead just have the rest of his life be filled with hikes and Burger King Whoppers. I, Not the Impossible Whoppers, but legitimate, <laughs> for, legitimate got Whoppers. Whoppers. Oh, oh, he's lived a good life. He lived a wonderful life. Oh my gosh, he's the cutest dog. He he was amazing. I was just like, I love Tebow. I want to hang out with Tebow. I know. Well, I will just not now. I will do it later. Right. Yeah. Later, for yeah, sure. Right. I'm pretty sure this is true story. So I'm pretty sure that I took more days off to mourn Tebow's death than like any other deaths that have happened combined but at work. But there's a, the, like animals are so, these little innocent, you know what I mean? I do. We ha- I mean, we just went, we just, our dog Jack just had to get a surgery. We mm. had one of those huge fatty tumors. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was like seven pounds. It was mm. horrible. And mm. it wasn't like I meant for it to go seven pounds. I was just really this mean person. I actually had three vets tell me that they couldn't do anything about it. So this fourth magical vet shows up and is like, I can do that. And I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, but what was weird with Jack is that he was getting old mm. and he is old. He's kind of like a 13 year old boxer, but he looked worn oh, out. Oh. And then after this operation, he looks all young and chipper again. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're back to being all young chipper Jack. You know, but they are. They they live with us. They mm-hmm. sleep with. The, well, yeah, not everybody. Oh, yeah. But I do. Yeah, I mean, no, so, mine. Some people are like my me. dog never gets in the bed. I'm like my dog's in the bed. Look, you know, can I just... tell you? I actually would make my dog food. Oh, I know. You're even before he got. Good, I was one of those moms. Good, I wasn't good like dog the mom. weird ones, you know. But I. You didn't dress no him up and take him to parties. No, I did. I didn't push him around in a carriage, but I did make his food, and you know he he lived a very good life. He lived I a very love good life. it. Oh, Tebow, there's some people down here thinking about you. We love you. Absolutely, that's awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank well, you for asking about him. I, yeah. Well, and I didn't know, so I didn't wasn't trying to bring up it's sad okay. stuff. It's that's okay. Not my, but. We get it's, to honor him. and the, Yeah, exactly. I he get lives to think forever about him. in this podcast. He does. He, You know, I'm pretty sure that if there was an NCADA mascot, he would have been it. Tebow's mm-hmm. it. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Nicole. This has been great information. Thank you so much I for having me. I think this is really, really good information. I, I have 
I I know people that I'm going to tell them, you should listen to this. This is really interesting and important. So yeah, I love it. Excellent. And if anybody has any other questions about this or anything else drug specific, I'm uh, assuming they can find your information on your website. Yeah, well, but ncada.org, right? Yep, ncada-stl.org. Thank you. Or for the um, talking kits that I mentioned, talkaboutitmo.com. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Nicole. Everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Have awesome days.